Welcome to the Useful Marketing Podcast. I'm Paula Ronan, marketing consultant, coach, and trainer. In this episode, Miriam O'Donoghue, owner and marketing strategist at Preferred Marketing, shares her story of her marketing life and gives some great tips for businesses to succeed in marketing. Hi, Miriam. How are you? Hi, Paula. Good, thanks. How are you? Brilliant. Miriam, I'm delighted that you agreed to join me for a chat today on the podcast. And uh, we've known each other a long time, but this is the first, I think, in-depth chat, definitely, about your marketing career and what you've learned and, you know, all your adventures in marketing. Mm, so I'm, really, I'm really looking forward to it. Yeah, me too. <laughs> so I wonder where you start off, maybe taking us through a little bit about how you got started in marketing. Okay. Um well, I suppose um, my route to marketing wasn't direct. It was more of an indirect route. Um, I, when I was in school, uh, just after I finished my leaving cert, I wanted to be a primary school teacher. But I suppose I knew that really wasn't for me at the end of the day. And then I thought about what could I do? What was kind of trending at the time? And what was trending at the time was actually computers. Computers were big at the time. And I thought that's where all the jobs are. So I wanted to do something in computer science believe it or not. So uh, that was my kind of idea, I suppose, my my thought process. Yes, get a good job in, in computer science and be set up for life. But that didn't happen either. And um, I ended up actually studying um, German and business administration. Oh. So I got into that. Uh, I, I actually studied in, in Waterford in the regional technical college that since then became Waterford Institute of Technology and is now um, the Southeast Technological University. Great to see. So after all those years, um, and I suppose, you know, um, that's where I kind of my strength was in languages. I had four honours in four languages, so I thought, yeah, obviously it makes sense to do something in languages. But I didn't end up doing anything with my German. I did go to Germany for a while. I lived there for a while, um, but came back. And came back to Ireland at the time of a recession, probably the f- the first recession that I was that I was subject to anyway. Um, in what my year, early what, what year was that, Miriam? I think it was around eighty five. Oh, so yeah, yeah, really That's kind of dark times, bad times, yeah. And I thought, what am I going to do? You know, so. I took the initiative and I suppose there weren't that many jobs at the time. And I, I thought I'll, I'll write to as many companies as I can. I'll write to German companies, see if they're looking for somebody that, you know, that have that they, they have a requirement for somebody that has German and and business. Um, and then I, I by accident, again, I just decided maybe I should look at the tourism sector. So I, I started writing to hotel groups. And I got a letter back from one of the hotel groups, the Rhine Hotel Group, actually, that would have had the Gresham Hotel at the time. And they contacted me and I ended up working for them for uh, about two or three years before taking up then a position with Aer Lingus. Uh, So when I joined Aer Lingus, that was 1987, I worked all over. I was uh, in flight operations, uh, ground ops. Uh, I worked on check-in, departures, and ended up in customer relations. So I, I, I can totally imagine you at the check-in desk. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and actually, that wasn't my favourite part of it. My favourite part was departures, actually. Yes. 
the person that you see that drives the airbridge out to the airplane that was me my boy brilliant <laughs> great experience and i thoroughly enjoyed it um, and I suppose customer relations then was like a baptism of fire because really all you're dealing with all day are complaints. Um, and it, it was hard, you know, because you're working in an environment that is dealing with a lot of negativity as such. Yeah. Um, and, you know, it was never ending. So for every 20 files that you went through, you know, customer in customer relations, you'd have another 30 to deal with. And no, um, nobody was emailing you to tell you they had a lovely flight. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, very few people write in with compliments, Paula. I'm afraid, but I, I, I decided then, uh, you know, that there were a lot of opportunities within Aerolingus to do other things. Um, and at the time, it was a fantastic company, and it still is a fantastic company. I feel to work for. Uh, I was able to go to college. I went back and I did a degree in UCD in German and psychology, and then I also did a diploma in public relations. And that's probably where I thought, that's my niche. That's really what I want to do. I want to work in PR. Um, so a job came up in uh, London uh, in public relations. Uh, they were looking for a press officer. And I flew to London. The office, the head office was in Hounslow. Went for the interview, but on the way in, met a girl from Erlingus head office in Dublin, who I know was going for the same job. And I just thought, I know this is fate. She's got the job and I definitely don't have it. But they offered me an alternative. And the alternative was to be a district sales executive for Erlingus. Oh. Uh, so I thought, well, I'm here now. So, you know, it's an opportunity. And I think it will be a good opportunity. So I decided to take the plunge and said, yes, I'll go for it. And I'll take the job. And it was probably one of the best decisions I ever made. Because I had a fantastic two years with them in London. Um, I spent a lot of my time on the M25 in the car. Oh, I've been there. So, uh, so you know, it was it was a really interesting job, interesting role, um, and I met a lot of interesting people. Um, and I was dealing with corporates and I was dealing with travel agents as well. Uh, but I made a decision, I suppose, that I would come back to Dublin and come back to Ireland, actually, at, at some stage. And I was hoping to come back, I suppose, to work uh, in Erlingus in Dublin, in corporate accounts, corporate sales. Um, that didn't quite turn out the way I had planned for it to turn out. I did apply for a few jobs, it didn't materialize, and I decided to look outside the company. And um, I came across a role that had been advertised um, in, in Ireland, and it was for a sales and marketing manager for Clontarf Castle Hotel. Um, so I'm not sure if you're familiar with Clontarf Castle Hotel. Yeah, very nice. Yes, so it was. And I suppose they were trying to rebrand and trying to change from having been known as a cabaret venue for many, many, many years into uh, uh, a hotel. They wanted to become, a, a, you know, a, a recognized, you know, top end, high quality four star hotel and a fantastic location, too, because in Clontarf, I suppose the problem for Clontarf Castle Hotel was that they were also competing against a lot of other hotels at the time. So competition was high um, and also a new, um, I suppose, uh, direction for them in terms of uh, a hotel. Um, but I did stay with them for a while. It, it was a difficult time, I suppose, too, for them. They had a lot of issues with planning um, because they were building a function room that would accommodate up to 300 people so there was a, there was there were appeals uh, against that 
um, from local residents because it is, it is very much in a residential area. Um, but I stayed for them for a while. And as I said, I decided then that I wanted to leave and look for something else. So I um, got a job then with Bowman Foundation. Um, who, the Bowman Foundation is the fundraising arm of Bowman Hospital. And I was asked if I would manage an event for them. Mm. Uh, it's a fundraising event to raise funds for, for Bowman Foundation. So it was um, an auction of all sporting memorabilia. And my job was to get as many people there, celebrities, to the event, make it a high profile event. And I did work with the PR agency at the time on the event. So I had the likes of Michael Carruth, who's an ex-boxer. I had Bob Champion, who you may yeah. know as an ex-jockey uh, from the UK. I had a lot of sporting personalities. I had Brendan O'Carroll. Um, I had, you know, a lot of people from the entertainment world there as well. And it, it proved to be a huge success. The event was great. And at the time, we raised a lot of money for uh, Bowman Foundation. Um, so that would have been, I suppose, 1998 when I did that. And it was, you know, it was just I, I just thoroughly enjoyed it. And I said, this is what I want to do. I want to kind of work in PR, in marketing or in, in events. Um, but then it was a, co a contract that I had with them. So when the contract ended, um, the director of Bowman Foundation, Mike Hannon, asked me, would I, you know, look at maybe looking, look at, would I look at doing the, the marketing or, and, the, and the PR for Bowman Foundation? Um, but I was in Dublin and I wanted to move back to Waterford. So I said, well, yeah, it'd be great, but I can't have to do it remotely. <laughs> so yeah. it did. It, it was great. And it gave me, that gave me, I suppose, the, um, the idea, if you like, to set up my own business. Because I thought if I can have Bowman as a as a client, I can get other clients. Um, so I came back to Waterford, and there were a few, very few jobs in Waterford at that time in marketing. And I set up my own business, Preferred Marketing and PR Limited, um, in December 1998, uh, and started trading in January 1999. So that was my kind of intro to to marketing and, and PR, I suppose, you know. Um, but then since then, I've, you know, I've experienced an awful lot and uh, I've I've had a very interesting career, I suppose, you know, as MD of uh, preferred marketing and PR. And I've I've certainly sat on a lot of committees and, you know, um, I suppose organizations like the Marketing Institute Southeast. Oh, I remember. That. <laughs> and I was chair of that. At one stage, um, you know, and I, I've, I think, uh, you know, I've, I've also been, I'm a former director of Waterford Chamber, um, and I was, a, I'm a former director of Waterford Hospice, and I'm also, I'm also currently a director of Dungarvan Enterprise Centre. In Roger, you are a busy woman, Miriam. And you just reminded me because the the Southeast Marketing Institute was was I thought it was brilliant, and um, it, I often well I don't often think it now because it take it took up such a lot of time. I was chair of that as well, and uh, I recall that there used to be lovely lunches for all the past chairs and things like that. I think we should bring them back, Miriam. Definitely, yeah. I know uh, the it was the Southeast uh, Market wow. Forum that was set up um, shortly after the Marketing Institute Southeast. That's right, yeah, yeah, yeah. It so, only took one year, did it? 
uh, we had a, a lunch, I think, one year, weren't you? That's at right, I was at that. Yeah. Are you involved in the organisation of, of that? The That's, New yeah, that, that was great. That was going back a few years ago. But I since yeah. then, I don't think anything has happened, which is unfortunate because I do think, you know, it will be good for the Southeast to have that kind of a marketing, uh, you know, forum or uh, some kind of a, an organization where people like us Paula who are in yeah. marketing and branding and everything else can come together and you know discuss kind of what's happening in marketing what's trending and and share ideas and you know yeah. and knowledge and I think that's that's really important and I'd love to see that coming back again in the 100%. and even um at that time I um I only uh, moved back to Ireland in 2005 and uh, I felt at that time one of the greatest things about the Southeast Marketing Institute and the, you know the work that we did was just to promote marketing because so many businesses actually were literally doing no marketing in exactly. the Southeast and yeah. uh, it's still something that um, people do it now but I, I feel still there's a lot that people could learn like a lot of the marketing that's done uh outside of Dublin um and maybe Cork at the moment is you know based on tactics digital marketing and things like that and that's what people feel they need to do but um you know there's there's far more to it as you as you well know absolutely Absolutely, yeah. Did you ever get a chance to use all your German? I see you, you did a German uh, qualification twice. We'll have to twin you with the oh. town of Germany. Yeah, I, uh, I, I, well, when I was in um, college at the beginning, so when I was in the Regional Technical College in Waterford, I did what was called German um, bilingual administration in German. Yeah. Uh, there was only about five of us in the class. I think, in German. Nobody wanted German, but the French class, there was about 30 in French. Yeah. And I had no interest in doing French. Um, but I really liked the language. Um, for a lot of people, I think they find German very difficult because the grammar can be can be quite tricky. Um, but I always knew I'd have to go to the country to really get the fluency yeah. I, after I finished. Um, but I also wanted to go on and do further study in German. So when I was over in, in Dusseldorf, because that's where I was, and I did a, a qualification in German there through the Goethe Institute. And then I um, I then went to um, UCD um, when I was in Erlingus and yeah. got my degree in German. So I was very pleased with that. Um, I would have probably gone on and done a master's in German. But when I thought about what I would do with it, I didn't go on to lecture in German either. I was really more interested in the psychology um, and even in the organization, organizational psychology. So, you know, that kind of fascinated me. Um, and that's kind of how I started to get into business and PR and, you know, thinking and, about and, and do you use any of that organizational psychology yourself? And in what ways does that like demonstrate it? I suppose you would to some degree, you know, um, I, I have kind of deviated, as I said, into, I've done so much. I've deviated into other areas. It's not, it hasn't all been marketing and PR, like a lot of what I do as well, Paula, as you know, uh, I'm a mentor with the local enterprise offices yeah. in the Southeast, um, same, same as you. Um, so that's been very interesting for me as well, you know, when you're dealing with clients and um, I suppose the psychology of mentoring as well and, and what a mentor is meant to do, you know, 
for an individual who has small business or micro business and what's the best way to, to mentor them. So I suppose that psychology does come into it, you know, um, and, and trying to understand their business as well and understand them and what they're looking for from their business. Um, and then I suppose, you know, my work with uh, WIT and, and SETU, um, that would be me as a as a, a panel member, I've done a lot of interview boards for SETU as well as DIT, which is now TUD, uh, and I'm also um, um, I suppose an industry expert panel uh, for QQI, um, Quality and Qualifications Ireland. Thank so you for reminding me. <laughs> I was like, oh, QQI, <laughs> racking my brains. What could that be? <laughs> Formerly FITAC. Uh, so I would have done a lot of work for them as well, you know. And so that's interesting, too, because, you know, you're meeting with independent colleges who need to have their courses ratified by QQI. Um, so you're you're meeting a lot of people the whole time, you know, this yes. is ecology, I suppose, and of, you know, human behavior and how people interact with you. That's that's all very yeah. has helped me, I think, in my role as well and in my work and in what I do as a marketing consultant, you know, a PR consultant, brand consultant, all of that. Very yeah. important. Very good. And um, Miriam, uh, what do you think has been your like, what do you think has been the biggest lesson that you've learned in your marketing life? Uh, yeah, good question, Paula. <laughs> I've learned a lot. <laughs> I think the biggest lesson, though, I have to say, and I, it's one thing that I, I suppose for me is, you know, um, is a no brainer is when you're doing your marketing strategy, when you have a marketing strategy and a marketing plan that you evaluate it. Um, it's really, really important, you know, and I've I'm such, I suppose, a stickler when it comes to that, you know, even when I, you know, present a strategy to a client or a marketing plan, I say, now you need to evaluate what you've done, because if you don't evaluate it, what's the point of having, you know, had this strategy or plan to begin with? I think that's an absolutely brilliant one. And, yeah. um, you know, it's that idea that a, a business plan and a marketing plan are living things that need to be taken out and looked at they need to be on your desk nearly the whole time so that you can um use them properly to move the the business forward you know so many times we, we do plans and then put them in a drawer and go yes that's done brilliant and then off you trot until the next until the next 12 months are finished yeah and I, I'm sure you could uh, resonate with this too, Paula, but I, I think sometimes, you know, clients tend to be very reactive to what's happening. Um, so they'll say, like, we need to do an advertising campaign. We should put an ad in the paper. We should do an ad on, on radio. We should do some social media advertising or online advertising using Google AdWords. And I'd be like, that's all very well, but where's the plan? What's the strategy? behind us you know so it's this kind of um being proactive maybe as opposed to being reactive to what's happening you know don't just do something because your competitor is doing yeah. it have a plan and um, you know make sure that it's actionable it's achievable and if it's not you know do is there something that needs tweaking uh, you know do you need to spend more money on your marketing budget for your online advertising or whatever campaign you're you're you have um in mind and then evaluating that to see did it work and if it worked why you know what made it work why was it successful or if it didn't work why didn't it work that's another uh, another uh, discussion point about the marketing budget because i'm not sure 
how many businesses you've worked with that have actually got a marketing budget at the start of the year uh, uh, that literally have something we are going to spend X amount on marketing this year. I think, you know, maybe they're getting more popular now, but uh, most of the people that I speak to, especially in mentoring, uh, don't have one at all at the beginning of the year. No, they don't. And, you know, the thing about the mentoring is you are, look, I suppose, dealing with a lot of micro businesses, um, you know, small, very oh, yeah. small yeah, companies yeah. Yeah. that don't have a budget. But what I would say to companies that don't, you know, those those micro businesses that don't have budgets and individuals like, you know, sole traders is, you know, think of ways that you can market and promote yourself without having to spend a lot of money. Because there are ways like, I mean, PR, if we like public relations is is, you know, it's not paid advertising, but it's the way you go about it. It's how to get that press release to the media and um, to have some kind of angle, you know, um, that will kind of or hook that will draw them, uh, draw them in and will get your press release into uh, published and in the paper into the media. And, and that could be radio as well. But there are ways, you know, there are things that that small businesses, micro businesses and individuals can do that doesn't have to cost them the earth. And don't, they don't have to have a huge budget for that. But then on the other side of the coin, I think there are times when other companies, maybe slightly larger companies than micro businesses, but they have they should put aside a budget. There should be a budget for their marketing. You know, just like you'd have a budget for other things, there should be a budget for marketing. And that is something and um, I can, you know, totally see where you're coming from on that because I've had that as well, Paula. A lot of small businesses and they say to you, I don't have a marketing budget. Yeah. And I, you actually do need to have one, you know. Well, I, I, I imagine a lot of cases um, people waste money by not having a, a marketing budget because they get hit up for uh, ads by, you know, offered ads at special offers or sponsorships of local clubs and things like that. And um, it kind of is a drip, drip effect uh, with without a consistent uh, strategy behind it. Uh, rather than kind of saying at the start of the year, okay, whatever it's going to be based on, it you know it should really be based on a percentage of the gross profit that you're going to make. But uh, we're going to spend two thousand this year, or yeah. one thousand, or whatever it is, and that's it, no more. Um, you know, and, and this is what we're hoping to get out of it. And the other thing about getting free marketing, I always smile because there's nothing free in the world. I don't think, but because it's. I think people find in micro businesses, it's great. You start off like that and you can get loads of um, traction doing social media yourself and all that, but it takes so much time. Yeah, it's very you're, you nearly want to put those hours down in your budget and, uh, you know, think about how much time you're going to invest in it yourself because that has a value as well, doesn't it? And hopefully sometime down the line, you'll be able to uh, get some help, get some paid help with it. Yeah, and I think that's the biggest thing for a lot of my clients anyway that I would work with. The the biggest thing, I suppose, for them is one, they don't really have a very good understanding of social media. And secondly, what they think they're posting on social media is relevant to their target market. And it's not always um, and, and not kind of thinking strategically about what they're posting either. You know, so posting things for the sake of posting something, but not really thinking about it. Um, I find there's a lot of that, um, you know, and the time, as you said, Paula, that is huge for a lot of small companies. They just don't have the time. No, and then it's, it's, it's person. Long, and you think. Yeah. 
Yeah. And then, you know, there's like who's going to look at the analytics, who's going to track the, you know, track those and who's going to look at the the insights, you know. So, you know, where where's the traffic coming from and, and who's following us on social media? That all needs to be tracked. And, yeah. and you know, and I, I so there's a lot more to social media than people think. I, know. Um, I think time seems to be the biggest gripe for a lot of clients that I work with is I just don't have the time, you know. Exactly. Um, yeah. Well, fair play to fair play to the businesses that are just posting anyway, because it is a big achievement. And you know, they learn everybody learns as they go along. Uh, hopefully but and you, you were talking out there about PR Merriman I know you have extensive experience in that too um, do you have any tips for listeners on how to get coverage um, well, in the press? Yeah, it's like I said earlier I think if you have a good angle you know you need to have an angle you need to have some kind of a hook um, so like if you're launching a product or a service you know don't just talk about the product or service um, you know talk about the benefits talk about how it's going to make it useful to someone's life um, how it's going to change their life or you know help their lives um, and I think that's 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 really what people kind of miss from from a press release sometimes you know when they're doing a press release themselves they're not thinking about that they're thinking I just need to get this into the paper I just need to get across yeah. that I've launched this product or I've launched this service yeah but, you know, need to have some kind of an angle or, or a hook and you know reach out to to the media outlets as well reach out to the newspapers reach out to radio reach out to the journalists and develop a relationship with them as well and I say I have something coming up soon you know i'm launching a new product i'm launching a new website you know would you you know keep me in mind and and if i'm sending in a release you know yeah. look out for it and you know maybe we can run a story so you know i think you need to kind of think outside the box you know when it comes to pr as well um and don't forget that these media outlets are getting hundreds of press releases every day from other companies and organizations um and you know 90 percent of them will invariably end up in the bin so you know, oh, you're hard. I know. I was just smiling. I was just smiling there because I um, I was I was going to ask you, Miriam, if you had any stories about how you got um, things into the paper or whatever. But I was remembering myself as well, an embarrassing thing that we did for Today FM, uh, when we were working when, when um, my little company was working for them some years ago, and it was I can't even remember. It was anyway. Uh, some kind of promotion we were doing for today fm we went to a shopping center in cork it was a competition that we were running and we had a lovely lady in a chocolate bikini made out of two easter eggs oh my god and a chocolate fountain and when i think back on it i think oh my what is wrong with you that you would do such a thing i don't think you get away with it today but we got in the we got in the papers and <laughs> I'm not surprised. Shock tactics, you know. Maybe. Oh my god! Just... But you see, it does it does work because you know if you're doing something that's a little bit different and unique, and it's like I remember one year actually, um, there was uh, a client of mine uh, that uh, was based in Waterford City. They're no longer there now. Furniture Concepts, and they had an idea, um, which they ran by me, and I said, "Yeah, actually, I think that might work." Now, in hindsight, it could have caused a lot of problems. But uh, they got um, they got uh, someone to dress up in um, you you've heard of Slumberdam, you know, and the oh, yeah, yeah. 
Pops, which is the hippopotamus. He got got the hippo costume from the the manufacturer. He switched over and they were doing this promotion on on the mattresses and they got uh, someone to dress, and I won't say who it was, to dress in a hippo, it wasn't me, (laughs) hippopotamus costume and to go over onto the bridge, Waterford Bridge, um, Rice Bridge, and to stand there with a sandwich board saying, you know, mattress promotion and the number of cars that you're stopped and taking photos and honking the horn and i just thought that could have caused a champ but not only that it could have caused so much crash into the back of someone else so it did take a bit of a chance but it worked it actually worked um, sort of very early guerrilla marketing <laughs> yeah 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 you have to get it get be a bit creative out there. Yeah, yeah and be creative exactly that's a good point paula be creative yeah. be creative exactly. So, um, Miriam, what's what's your view on artificial intelligence now? The the buzzwords, the buzzwords yeah, moment. I think, yeah, artificial intelligence and and VR, virtual reality. It's all it's all happening, isn't it? <laughs> but I think with AI, yeah, I think it's it's something that we as marketers have to take you know seriously as well, and and I think a very useful you know very useful tool uh, in terms of analytics and looking at uh, consumer behaviors and patterns what's trending and and how we can get to get into that whole psyche of the consumer as well and what they're looking for you know so we're better able to to meet their needs um and to understand their their preferences as well you know so i think it's like kind of what nike are doing now with this virtual fitting you know you have your your virtual shoe fitting and um and then you've a virtual assistant you know people that can help you and uh, mm-hmm. to choose the product so a lot of retailers are, are using ai um and that can be seen you, you know on the high street um, and I think a lot of other a lot of businesses and will incorporate AI definitely into their marketing strategy as part of their marketing strategy because you know let's face it it's that's what's happening now I mean go back maybe fifteen maybe twenty odd years ago it was all traditional marketing and digital marketing was maybe ten percent of that you know if even and now it's like reversed um, I was listening something to uh, uh, listening to something there recently um, a, a social media um expert who said that you know where traditional marketing was practically 90 percent and digital was 10 percent the digital marketing is now 70 compared to traditional marketing which is about 30 you know so we've come like nearly full circle um and that's been in within a short space of time and it's only going to be more technology based as well i think you know so things like tracking and uh, data um, looking at analytics, um, you know, consumer behaviors, uh, consumer patterns, trends, all of that, really important. Absolutely. I think we, we need to get, get with the program. I think most people are, you know, experimenting at least now with content, uh, making content with uh, the likes of chat GPT. Uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, that's brilliant. So anything that, uh, any other la- last words of advice for business owners that might be listening or business managers? I think, well, for me, it's it's just all about having a plan, you know, have have a marketing strategy, yeah. uh, have a plan, you know, not just to be doing something for the sake of doing it, you know, so be very clear um, and, and incorporate as part of your business strategy, and your business planning, because I think all businesses, no matter how big or small they are, they should all have a marketing strategy, um, you know, and that should include then a marketing plan and, and a budget um, as well, you know, for your activities and then evaluate it. Um, you know, and see see where you're going with events, and if they're if they're working, continue what you're doing, or maybe you know, think about other events that you could incorporate into your 
or activities that you can incorporate into your marketing plan. And if they're not work, working, then, you know, scrap them and, and look at something else instead. And part of that is developing, I suppose, a communication strategy too, Paula, you know, so, you know, along the lines of uh, press releases, you know, radio interviews, things like that, anything that you can do that will help you to raise your profile and, you know, raise awareness, brand awareness as well. So that's that's all key, I think, really, to to developing a good marketing strategy and a plan. Brilliant. Well, listen, thank you so much, Miriam, for your time and sharing everything with you. We'll have to have a chat another day about the uh, about revitalizing the uh, Southeast Marketing Network or whatever we'll call it. It'll be nice to, to uh, catch up on a more regular basis. Absolutely. Uh, We'd love yeah. to. <laughs> yeah, sure. We'll talk then when we have all this, uh, when we have loads of free time, you know, uh, as per usual, we, we'll do that. But listen, thanks very much and have a happy Christmas. And uh, well, same to you. Talk to you later. <laughs> so there you have it. Lots of wise advice from Miriam O'Donoghue of Preferred Marketing. Make sure you have a marketing strategy and plan and make sure you evaluate it. Be proactive, not reactive. Make sure you have a great angle in your press releases and reach out to media outlets to let them know you are there. Thank you for listening. I hope you found it useful. Until next time, happy marketing.